Hello and welcome to Conversations That Matter with Immigrant Legal Defense and Fresno State's Dream Success Center. I'm your host, Diana, and on our fifth episode, we are joined by Manoj Gobandaya, Managing Attorney at Immigrant Legal Defense, and Lauren Markham, Communications and Partnerships Director, also with Immigrant Legal Defense. I would also like to introduce Jackie, who's part of the Dream Success Center here at Fresno State. Jackie, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Diana. Like you shared, my name is Jacqueline. I'm working on finishing up my last semester here at Fresno State. I'll be graduating with a bachelor's in psychology and minors in chemistry and Spanish. I'm a pre-dental student, so I'll be applying for dental school next application cycle as well. And I'm also a DACA recipient, so I know firsthand the struggles that you know a lot of our, a lot of our students really have to face and the barriers that come along with the rigorous uh, pursuing any type of careers and the challenges that come with an undergraduate journey. So with that said, I really am happy to be here. Thank you. We really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. So on this episode, we will be discussing uh, TPS or temporary protected status. We will go over the history of it, requirements, can you travel outside of the U.S., all those questions that you may have when this topic arises. So to start off, Manoj and Lauren, can you give us a quick introduction? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Manoj Govindaya. I'm an attorney at Immigrant Legal Defense. Um, I recently joined the organization uh, in November of last year, but um, I've been I've been practicing law um, for a while for uh, 16 years now. And I mostly work with students in CSU campuses. Um, doing consultations to assess their legal options and then representing them in whatever application they're pursuing. And recently we've encountered a decent number of CSU students who might be eligible for TPS. Uh, So we thought this would be a good topic to cover in, in this month's podcast. Thank you, Manoj. We're happy to have you here for this episode. And I'll introduce myself too. I'm Lauren Markham um, and I'm brand new to ILD just in the past month. Um, And uh, I actually come not from the legal background, but from a background working on the education side of things, on the K-12 education side of things. So I helped um, in 2015 and after helped launch um, one of the first uh, legal school district partnerships um, between legal services and a school district in Oakland, California, um, and worked in partnership with legal service agencies for a long time. And I'm very happy to be joining ILD. I'm also a writer, so I've sort of covered immigration issues from the writing side of things. Awesome. So thank you once again for being here with us. And when you brought this topic up about TPS, I was really excited because I think it's a topic that not many of us are aware of or know much about. And so I really hope our students, uh, the audience, faculty, staff listening, really learn a little bit more about TPS and how they can help students in this situation. And not only students, but also learn a little bit more about maybe some of the pros and cons of having TPS and other changes happening with it as well. Yeah, for for sure. There's a lot of changes that have been happening with TPS over the past five, six years, especially. So there's a lot of movement there. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And as you mentioned, policies are always changing. 
there's always new information coming out and so we hope this serves as a good foundation for our listeners on this topic of TPS. So to get us started, can you talk to us more about what TPS is, what it entails, the purpose of having this status, and some background history? Sure, yeah. So TPS, um, it was created by Congress in 1990 uh, through the Immigration Act of 1990. And uh, so it's a temporary status um, intended for undocumented people in the U.S. And so kind of the way it works is the the administration, either the, the president or the Department of the Secretary of Homeland Security, um, will designate a country or a part of a country to be eligible for TPS. Um, and so that designation is, it's kind of based on uh, whether there's some kind of catastrophic event that's happened in that country that would make it difficult for that country to absorb its citizens from the U.S. if they were to be deported or if they were to return to that country. Um, so often it is uh, whether there's like, an so that catastrophic event is um Really, it's kind of if there's like an ongoing armed conflict, like a civil war or uh, an environmental disaster, like a hurricane. Many of the countries that are designated for TPS now are the result of a hurricane or an earthquake or something like that. Um, or if there's some other extraordinary or temporary condition, um, like a pandemic or an epidemic. Uh, and and the, the purpose is really to give that country's government um, an opportunity to focus on addressing that catastrophic event rather than worrying about its citizens abroad and, and needing to care for them or needing to reintegrate them um, if they return to that country. And so, Manoj, if one is to get TPS, um, and it sounds like you have to sort of be fortunate enough to just fall into one of the categories that the government happens to, to, to designate, right? Um, and it also seems to me that like not every hurricane gets a TPS, right? Like not every, yeah, yeah. that it's, it's sort of, it's up to the discretion of the administration. Um, if you happen to be eligible for TPS, um, what are the benefits of the status? Like, can you travel outside of the U S um, you know, what, sure. like what, yeah. How does it, how, what protection does it provide? Yeah. So, you know, TPS in many ways is similar to DACA. Um, and there's actually this other type of relief called DED. It's Deferred Enforced Departure. DED is very similar to TPS and DACA as well. Um, so TPS has to be designated by the Secretary of Homeland Security. Um, DED is designated directly by the president. And so really what that means is uh, the, the person who issues a memo, like a written document that says, this country is now designated for TPS or DED. For TPS purposes, that memo comes from the Secretary of Homeland Security. For DD, DED purposes, it comes from the president. But both of them, they give you this um, temporary status in the US. So you can't be deported from the US if you have TPS or DED. You get a work permit. Um, you are eligible to travel outside by applying for advanced parole. 
um, again, similar to DACA. And, uh, you know, it, it, it gives you all the benefits that a person with an employment authorization document has. So, you know, depending on the state, you might get in-state tuition, you might be able to apply for a driver's license. Obviously you can work, you get a social security number, um, sort of sort of all of those benefits that a person needs, you know, to be able to actually reside in the US. Where it gets very tricky is that, you know, TPS is temporary in nature. Um, and so it, it, it's typically, uh, the country is typically designated for 18 to 24 months. Mm. And so then every 18 to 24 months, you have to wait and see if the government is going to um, renew TPS for that particular country. And um, if so, then you have to go through the whole application process again, paying the filing fees, getting your fingerprint appointment, kind of doing all of those bureaucratic requirements um, to maintain the status that is for a very short period of time. TPS does not put you on a path to permanent residency, much like DACA. So it lets you be here. Yes, you can travel, but that's a separate application process. And there's, you know, different risks with traveling. Um, but it, it doesn't necessarily get you in any kind of line that would put you closer to permanent residency, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I wanted to ask, because you bring up this question, Manoj, about... Um, about you know, or you bring up this, this the fact that it's temporary and therefore it has to be re-upped. And yet some folks have actually had TPS, like for instance, from El Salvador for like many, many years. So um, are there some exceptions to that? Yeah, so there's, there's actually 14 <laughs> countries right now that have TPS. Um, would it be helpful if I listed those? Sure. I'm happy to. Um, so Afghanistan, Myanmar, Cameroon, El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nepal, Nicaragua, Somalia, Sudan, South Sudan, Syria, Ukraine, Venezuela, and Yemen. And so for citizens of those countries who meet whatever the requirements are for TPS for those countries and who are undocumented in the U.S., they might be eligible for TPS. Um, But as you mentioned, Lauren, um, you know, El Salvador has actually, it was first designated for TPS in 2001. Um, Nicaragua and Honduras actually predate that. So they were designated for TPS in 1999. And so the fact that they still have TPS um, today means that Every 18 to 24 months, the Secretary of Homeland Security is renewing that TPS designation um, and giving them another, you know, 18 to 24 months of TPS. But those folks, you know, the Hondurans or the Nicaraguans who've had TPS since 1999 are are not necessarily any closer to permanent residency than, than, you know, anyone else. And as I understand it, for those, um, for, for 
well, I, I sort of, I understood or, or see it. And I'm curious if you agree with this, like it sort of seems to me that TPS for those countries has been a way to kick the can down the road in the absence of comprehensive immigration reform, that there actually isn't a lot of political will, except for on, you know, the growing far right to, to sort of deport all of these people who've been here are lawfully abiding citizens are working, right. Have this status and have for, you know, in, in, in the case of the, the countries we're talking about now decades. Um, but also they're not being offered any pathway to citizenship so far. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's just politically speaking, I think it's a little tricky, right? Because you you have this horrible event like a war in Ukraine uh, or, you know, the implosion of Afghanistan that both recently have happened and the government wants to do something um, and so the easiest thing for them to do is to grant TPS, which does not benefit anyone outside of the U.S. Right. It's only people who are in the U.S. and who are undocumented. But then they get TPS, which is great. But now all of a sudden you've had TPS. So you've had this status and you've had a work permit and, and you've had uh, you know, the possibility of advanced parole or whatever. And then um, it, it becomes trickier for the government to take it away, mm -hmm. right? Because um, taking it away does not necessarily mean that those citizens of those countries are going to leave the U.S., which is what the government would expect them to do, right? And so it, it is very much this kick the can down the road and make it someone else's problem. Um, so I, I think it was created with these good intentions, but it has become sort of a political landmine um, because now, you know, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, they've all had TPS for more than 20 years. You have thousands and thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of people who have had status in the US for many, many years, but they're in this weird limbo, much like DACA recipients, right? It's 10 years of DACA, but you're still in this weird limbo and it can be taken away at any time, depending on how the political winds shift. And so it, it's kind of this precarious position um, for the TPS holder, but also for the government um, to try to terminate it and then deal with the political fallout. There's actually only been three countries since 1990 where TPS was terminated and, and not renewed. So that's Guinea, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. And so they were all designated for TPS in 2014 when there was an Ebola outbreak. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, their TPS designation was terminated. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have no idea what happened to you know, TPS holders from those countries mm -hmm. and whether they're they're back to just being fully undocumented or they found another path to mm -hmm. some kind of status or, you know, they're, they're no longer in the U.S. We have no idea. Thanks so much, mm -hmm. Manoj. Yes, thank you, Manoj. And so working with ILD and the partnership with the CSU system, do you see students who qualify for TPS wanting to benefit more from this protection? Yeah, so, you know, I think um, in the past, like, year and a half, in the past two years, well, past two years, I guess, um, there has been 
a lot of new countries designated for TPS. I think the current administration is using it much more broadly than you know the prior administration did. Um, so just in the past year, you know, we've seen Ukraine, we've seen Venezuela, um, Sudan and South Sudan, um, Cameroon, Myanmar and Afghanistan um, designated for TPS. And so for students, you know, if, if you're an undocumented student, then this is going to give you a way to get some kind of status. Even if you are a student on like an F1 visa, which is a student visa or something like that, often when you're at the end of your schooling, um, it's very hard to figure out how to continue staying in the US if that's what you want to do when you have an F1 visa. Um, and so TPS could be a way for those students to, to move from that F1 status to something that is temporary in theory, but maybe a little more indefinite. Um, if, you know, we're using Honduras and Nicaragua as an example, where it's just been renewed many, many times over the years. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly something we're seeing. And I guess similarly with DED, Deferred Enforced Departure, which is similar, but uh, not exactly the same. You know, those current designations are Liberia, Hong Kong, and Venezuela. And so with the Hong Kong designation, um, like we have seen students in various CSU campuses who have, uh, who are from Hong Kong, who have moved on to DED. Um, that buys them a little time while, while they're trying to figure out a more permanent path to stay in the U.S. And aside from having the nationality from a country under TPS protection, what are other requirements that um, applicants have to have for TPS? And also, is it different if someone under 18 or over 18 applies for this protection? Um, yeah, so it, it actually doesn't matter whether you're a minor or not. So minors could certainly apply. Um, really, there, there's sort of a couple of main requirements for TPS. Um, there's a lot of important dates that come into play. So the first thing is that you are a citizen of that particular country. So it's one of those 14 countries for TPS or three countries for DED. Um, the second is there's a very, the second requirement, there's a very specific registration period. So when TPS is made available to a country, there's several dates that are issued. So there's a date where you have to be continuously physically present in the US. So for example, to apply for um, TPS from El Salvador, for example, uh, you had to be continuously physically present in the US on March 9th of 2001. So if you entered after that date, you're not eligible for TPS, even if TPS is being renewed today and a bunch of Salvadoran citizens are going through the application process. If you entered after March 9th of 2001, you're not eligible. 
you also have to demonstrate continuous residence, which is different than continuous physical presence. So continuous residence for El Salvador, for example, is February 13th of 2001. So those are kind of two different um, requirements, much like DACA, right, where you have to prove physical presence on a certain date, but then you also have to prove that you've lived in the U.S. since a certain time, right? Physical presence in 2012, but also that you've lived here since 2007, something along those lines. And then you also have to have been um, continuously residing, which is a little bit different than um, the continuous residence state. So you have to you have to show that you were physically present on these particular days, but also that you've been living here and haven't left the U.S. for anything more than like a brief or casual exit. Uh, and then the last thing you have to prove is that you have to prove that you're admissible to the United States. So admissibility is a legal term, but really you have to show that you would be eligible for something like a green card. So you don't have significant criminal history, you don't have communicable diseases, you don't have, you, you haven't, you know, misrepresented something to the U.S. government, you haven't claimed to be a U.S. citizen, you know, there's sort of a laundry list of things. You have to prove that none of those apply to you. Um, if they do apply to you, you would have to apply for a pardon of that. So, for example, let's say you have a family from Afghanistan, a mom, dad, and two kids, and they enter the U.S. Um, before the specified dates for Afghanistan. You know, they might be eligible for TPS, but depending on their particular situations, that mom or that dad might need some kind of pardon because under the immigration statute, there's uh, an inadmissibility ground for someone that has participated in alien smuggling. And so if that dad was helping mom cross into the U.S. without status or helping the kids enter the U.S. without status, there could be an alien smuggling issue there. And so in order for those family members to apply for TPS, they may also have to apply for a pardon of that alien smuggling issue. And then that pardon, they would have to apply for that pardon every single time they renew TPS. So if we can just talk a little bit about like kind of maybe where TP, we talked a little bit about like the kind of origin story and history of TPS. I'm also curious if you can tell, I know it was a big um, political drama and hot potato um, uh, that that really threatened like the safety and security of a lot of people under the Trump administration. Um, could you talk a little bit about like some of the changes in TPS or proposed changes, threats of TPS under the Trump administration and sort of like what the legacy of those is today? Yeah. So, you know, the Trump administration tried to terminate TPS for a lot of people who have lived here for a very long time. So the Trump administration terminated, in fact, terminated TPS for people from El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nepal, Nicaragua, and Sudan. And so what that meant is um, 
you know, the, the Hondurans or the Nicaraguans who have lived in the U.S. since 1999 and done everything the government has asked them to do, apply every year, pay these crazy fees, you know, jump through all these hoops, deal with the, the limited nature of the status that they have. Um, <clears throat> the government tried to terminate their status. The, the government's logic was that, or the Trump administration's logic, I should say, was that the, the catastrophic event that occurred in that country, which was the basis for TPS, the effects of that event no longer exist. And so because of that, TPS for that country is no longer appropriate. That was the explanation that the Trump administration gave. There were several lawsuits. Um, there were, you know, a, a lot of the basis of the lawsuit is that, you know, the government needs to be assessing the current conditions, not necessarily the conditions from however long ago, or even then that like the, the effects of Hurricane Mitch on Honduras and Nicaragua, those effects are still there. They haven't disappeared just because time has passed. And then there's a lot of, you know, suggestions that these particular countries were chosen because of like a racial animus by the Trump administration against people from that particular region of the world or whatever it is. So the bottom line is that those lawsuits temporarily stopped the termination of TPS for those particular citizens. And then when the Biden administration came into power, uh, the Biden administration withdrew those termination orders and essentially renewed TPS for all of those people who were affected. Um, in certain, it, it, for certain countries um, like Haiti, for example, um, the Biden administration renewed the original designation from 2011 but also redesignated Haiti in 2021. So that means people who were here in August of 2021 were now eligible for TPS. Whereas before, under the in initial designation, they had to be here in 2011. So that's, I'm sorry, that's a lot of legally. So I apologize, but really- that's Very clearly put. Well, good, great. Uh, yeah, so that, I mean, so the Trump administration really tried to terminate a lot. Um, the Trump administration actually only designated one country for, not even for TPS, but actually for DED, um, and that was Venezuela. So over the four years of the Trump administration, they tried to terminate status for, you know, six or seven countries, and they only designated one country for status, and that was Venezuela. And that was actually designated on the day of President Biden's inauguration. <laughs> so on January 20th of 2021, the Trump administration designated Venezuela for DED. Um, however, since then, the Biden administration, like I said, I mean, they've, they've designated a bunch of countries for TPS and DED. So it, it's a very, you know, it's obviously a very different perspective on how to approach this very political immigration benefit. You know, to be honest, I think there was there was push at one point that countries where COVID-19 has been declared an epidemic should be designated for TPS. 
which, you know, would have been probably most countries in the world um, and would have benefited, you know, millions and millions of people in the U.S. without without status. But again, this is it's a very political thing. Right. And so, you know, for whatever reason, that didn't happen. But countries are being designated for TPS. And there there is a lot of there's a lot of movement from advocates to get particular countries designated for TPS based on specific uh, situations happening in those particular countries. You know, there's a lot of push from advocates for places like Guatemala, for places like Mali and Mauritania, who have really awful civil wars right now, even for somewhere like Mexico, with so much violence from cartels, to try to get places like those designated for TPS. Thanks so much, Manoj. Yes, thank you. That was great information. And so currently with the Biden administration, where does TPS stand now? And for new applicants, what should they know before applying for TPS? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think the Biden administration has been more open to designating countries for TPS. I, I don't want to use the word, you know, generous with designating a place for TPS, because I think there's there's so many places in the world that are dealing with conflict or pandemic or natural disasters or something like that, that, that would be, in my opinion, um, would qualify for a TPS designation. Um, but I think the Biden administration has been more open with using TPS as a way to address humanitarian disasters that are happening across the globe. I mean, I, I think you know some of the key things to keep in mind Again, TPS does not benefit anyone who is outside of the U.S. if they are not here on the continuous residence date. So usually the way it works is the administration will make an announcement that TPS is being granted for a particular country, but the continuous residence date is from like last week or the month before, or something like that. And obviously that's intentional, right? Because if it's being announced today, they would expect a flood of people trying to come in before that date. So the the date starts in the past. I think what folks need to understand uh, if they're considering applying for TPS is that it is, a, it is kind of a, a, an odd status within immigration world. It's not a permanent status, but it's not really a very temporary status, like a tourist visa or a student visa or something like that. It's this sort of gray zone, which is good in so many ways, because, you know, tourists tourists and students on student visas or tourist visas are not eligible to work, uh, but TPS holders are. Right. So they're getting that that benefit, so to speak, of being able to be in the U.S., get a Social Security number and work. At the same time, there there's not a very clear way forward either. Right. Because you're you're in this weird gray zone. And unless you are very fortunate to have certain circumstances fall on you, you may not be able to move towards something more permanent. 
like a green card. Um, so, you know, I, I think people just need to understand that, like, yes, it gives you the right to be here. It gives you an opportunity to live in the U.S., work in the U.S., to thrive in the U.S., to send money back home, to help your family, support your country. But you may not ever be able to sponsor your family to come here. You may never be able to apply for U.S. citizenship. Um, traveling outside of the U.S. is a separate process that comes with its own risks and that every time you apply, there's this risk that it may not be granted that time or, you know, the political winds are going to shift and all of a sudden your country is no longer designated for TPS or something like that. There is... You know, just I think many of us have probably heard of the DREAM Act, which is intended to help DACA holders or people who might be eligible for DACA or something like DACA to put them on a path to permanent residency. Um, there is something similar called the PROMISE Act, which is for TPS holders and DED holders. Um, and the PROMISE Act would put TPS holders on a path to permanent residency. The Promise Act did pass the House of Representatives last year, but it's tied up in the Senate, just like the DREAM Act. And so, you know, um, it, it will take an act of Congress to move TPS holders outside of this, this weird gray quasi-status and into something more permanent. And so uh, until we get there, you know, this is kind of the status quo. I also wanted to briefly mention for all the students listening, um, and it might be a bit off topic, but if you are under TPS, you were qualified to receive financial aid through the California Dream Act application. So I know there's a lot of confusion on whether you should apply for the FAFSA application or California Dream Act, but again, if you are under TPS, you would qualify to apply for the California Dream Act. Yeah, and that was going to be sort of, that's a great segue to my last question, um, Manoj, which is just, what do you think students, anything else you think students should know or be aware of, um, you know, either current holders or people who think they might qualify? Yeah, I mean, I think I think TPS is, is a, a great way to, you know, sort of to find a way to stay in the States for as long as uh, that country is designated for TPS and you continue being eligible for TPS. But I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty with TPS. Uh, again, like we saw with the Trump administration, um, you know, they, they tried to terminate TPS for many countries. Um, you know, again, Nicaragua and Honduras have had TPS since 1999. So, you know, the Bush administration re-renewed TPS for those countries. The, the Obama administration renewed TPS for those countries. So, like, no other administrations have, you know, taken that step of actually terminating it. And, and yet that happened under the Trump administration. So I think that that line that doesn't get crossed as to whether we should terminate this or not, you know, it was crossed. Right. And so now there is this precedent that you could terminate 
these statuses, it might wind up in litigation or maybe it won't, you know, who knows? And so I think that's the big thing is like, it's just, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, I don't think you can look at the example of Honduras and Nicaragua and how they've had it since 1999 and think that you're just going to be able to have it for a very long time, right? Um, so I think that's probably the key thing for students to understand that, yes, this TPS may have fewer restrictions than something like a student visa. It may let you have a little more flexibility, similar to DACA. Um, but at the same time, there is that inherent uncertainty. And so all the folks in that situation may be dealing with stress or anxiety when it comes time for the renewal and whether that is going to happen. And, and just being aware, you know, this application is long, costs a lot of money. That is something that's going to have to happen every 18 months, every two years, and just being mentally prepared and financially prepared to go through that process each and every time it comes up. Thank you so much, Manoj. We're so lucky to have all your wisdom and knowledge <laughs> on this and so many topics. Ah. <laughs> no, my pleasure. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of Conversations That Matter. This was such a great episode and a topic that is not really talked about enough. It was truly such an enriching conversation, and we hope that the audience has also gained new information. Manoj and Lauren, thank you so much for sharing with us more on TPS, and we really hope to inform our audience. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. You can check us out on our website here at the Dream Success Center and the Immigrant Legal Defense website as well. You can find our websites under this podcast description. To the audience, thank you for joining us on this episode. See you next time here on Conversations That Matter. Mm-hmm.